0: Good morning. How's everybody? This is such an impressive group that we have here. And I I just think about, man, there's an awful lot of wisdom here. So today I thought I'd start off with with a short, very small quiz. Um, Deacons may not participate, but I have a little quick quiz for you. And by the way, this is the feast day of the most sacred heart of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Here's the quiz for you. What? Oh, we have a prize. A saint card. St. Raphael, the archangel. God's healing. One of the three archangels mentioned in the Bible. God's healing. It doesn't cost very much, but you may get uncountable benefits from it. What must I absolutely have to get into heaven? But if that's all I have, I will never see heaven. <laughs> Easy. What must I absolutely have to have to get into heaven? But if it's all that I have, I will never see heaven. Faith. Jesus Christ. Faith. Did I? What? Faith. Faith. I knew I'd never get past you. True faith. Keep this, in car, something else, in car, in car, I keep one in my car. If you read the book of Tobit it talks about healings that he does and he, a great one for you. I knew I couldn't get that one past you guys. What's that? He didn't tell the scripture that he about healing. not no. no. about, about the quest. From Tobit. Yes. Oh okay, well I'm, I will. George is, to, George is going to complete my presentation for me. <laughs> George, how do you feel? Thank you, brother. That's why I said no deacons. No. Okay, so today I want to reflect, obviously, on having the grace of an active, living, powerful faith. And this is with apologies to all the great scholars who have written about this, and most of them I have not read. St. Paul tells us that faith, hope, and love are the three great gifts. Yet faith without love is useless. 1 Corinthians thirteen two. If I have all faith, so as to move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Such a person may not love God enough to trust him. Instead, he may rely on his own nat- natural, rational mind, and he may doubt and he may fear. But Scripture warns that this is a crooked path. Proverbs 3, 5-6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. On your own intelligence rely not and he will make straight your paths. So what we need is a stable, loving, trusting faith, in the, and it's the kind of faith in our God and our Lord and Savior that Kimberly Hahn, in a book that she wrote, that's Scott Hahn, referred to as faith, working, in love. Of course, we can't achieve love of neighbor, love of ourselves, and love of God without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it on our own. And mature Christians know that if you ever pray for faith, you're going to encounter trials. St. James reminds us that trials are how God tests the genuineness of our faith. This is why the one who perseveres to the end, according to Matthew, the book of Matthew, will be saved. Um, I was reading a book by Jesuit scholar, John Harndon about the real presence of the Eucharist, and he pointed out that most of the heretics over the 20 centuries basically either lost faith in the incarnation that Jesus was God in the flesh. Now, uh, something that comes to mind is the famous heretic Arius, in I think the year 300 or something, who maintained that Jesus was was created separately and was not God, if I understand it right. Uh, so either the incarnation or the real presence of the Eucharist, loss of faith in one of those uh, has led to heresy, and, and of course we have people, no doubt, in the church today that have trouble with those, and we've all probably struggled with them at times because it is a matter of faith. We know that 58% of Catholics, according to the Pew study about a year ago, routinely ignore the teachings of the bishops. So there's, you know, a situation where they're also having trouble with faith in the church. Someone once said that faith is being sure of what you hope for. I think that's a good definition. In a similar vein, St. Paul, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, states that we must look to what, not what is seen, to what is unseen. Things that are seen are transitory. Unseen things are eternal. 1 John chapter 4, John reminds us that no one has ever seen God. So we must walk steadfastly by faith and not by sight to walk with God. I knew that I wouldn't have much luck with that quiz. In this room we've got a lot of smart men businessmen, doctors, professors, engineers, technical experts, on and on. Of course, we have to use our rational minds to fix the toilet or a car or to do our taxes. But we also have to render unto the Lord what is the Lord's. And his province is the province of faith. The things of God are known only by faith. And sometimes I think about the rich man and how it's hard to, harder for a rich man to enter heaven than it is for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle. And I think that a very, very rational man may be the same way. If you think too much and you wrestle with things too much and you don't have the faith of a small child, maybe that's hard as well. The rationalist movement in which we all are somewhat a product uh, David Curry in his book Born Fundamentalist, Born Again Catholic, I think mentioned that eventually the rationalist movement or the, the thought behind its fallen Protestantism, it, in, it emphasized individual reason or logic over the authority of the church or the church's spiritual revelations. So rationalism basically emphasized reason or logic over authority or spiritual revelations. And I personally should know about being too rational, cynical, or skeptical. My father taught me competitive chess when I was seven years old and I played in high school and college. My family was German and Dutch architects, engineers, Air Force officers, etc. I spent two and a half years in graduate school, I know this will probably surprise a lot of you people, studying statistics, reliability, validity, and scientific experimentation, although don't ask me anything about it now. I kept a book called Principles of Multiple Regression by Mendenhall and Ron out of grad school just to remind me that no matter how bad life got, it could always get worse. <laughs> but because of this rational kind of cynical mind, I guess I've been a classic doubting, doubting Thomas, but by God's grace and a lot of trials, I continue to grow in my faith, and I want to give you three short examples of recent thing, well things in my life that have been matters of faith for me. You may know that I'm an executive recruiter. That means I have to place people in jobs to make a living. If I place people in jobs, it could be a lot of money. But also, if the companies keep changing their mind or aren't hiring anybody, I can go months with no money at all. So, like a classic hunter-gatherer, I eat what I kill, so to speak. Okay? No salary. I can make zero or I can do very well in a year. When things are bad, the family starves. 27 years ago when I started in the business, I've been a human resources executive and I went into recruiting basically straight commission because I was single and didn't have kids to worry about. I decided to tithe. And I remember my first commission check I got $510 working for somebody else. And I gave $51 of it. But as time went by and I was making more money and buying cars and a house and everything, and I was still a single guy, I rationalized that maybe I couldn't afford to give that 10% at the time because of all my needs or all my wants. And so I had up and down years. I did well some years, not so well other years. But I realized finally that when I'd been tithing the first time, I wasn't really doing it in true faith. It was kind of like I wanted to strike a deal with God. Um, you know, I'll, I give you 10% if you give me enough money. And I'd stopped. So finally, m- m- many years later, uh, I decided to try tithing again, but I did it when I was in debt and it, it definitely seemed like I couldn't afford it. But miraculously, a lesson for me, and this is not about tithing, it's about faith. My business started flourishing again when I started putting in the money when I said to was man, I can't do that. Um, and things got better, and I realized that it was because my faith was stronger and I was doing it for the right reasons. So, let me give you another quick story, hunter-gatherer story, since I'm talking about eating what I kill. My boy embarrasses me sometimes fishing. We go fishing once in a while. I taught him how to fish, and he can make me look bad at Even times. You embarrass yourself. I do. I do. I do. Yeah, I do. I always embarrass myself. That's why I'm here today. Um, he was bugging me Dan. Let's do a different kind of fishing. So we, I want to try cat fishing or instead of trout fishing and bass and everything else. So we went to a lake recently. There were uh, 15 or 20 people there were supposed to have a lot of nice catfish in it. Um, we were going on Sunday mornings. We went to Mass Saturday night, and this was, I guess it was in April. And the reading, you know, there is no coincidence in life. The reading uh, was from the Acts where Jesus said, lower the net over the right side. And they pulled up this huge number of fish, and the nets were straining and breaking. And that was uh, a sign to me from God that, that the night before we went fishing. And to show you that I have grown in my faith, instead of saying, God, give me a lot of fish tomorrow, I said, Lord, let my son catch some fish tomorrow. So that's growth in my part. Um, I found out later that he was praying the same thing, Lord, let me have some fish (laughs) tomorrow. All right. So we went fishing the next morning. And there's about 20 people on this big lake, and nobody's catching a few small panfish, brim, you know, whatever. Nobody's really catching much. And my son, I'm ashamed to admit, I grabbed a better fishing pole for catfish, and he's got a trout fishing, ultralight spinning outfit, um, little small spin cast outfit with four-pound test line on it. Okay? And I looked at him about a half hour in, over near some lily pads, and I said, son, you're fishing kind of shallow water over there. You're over near, this, near the bank, near the lily pads. You probably need to be out in the middle here if you want to catch any big catfish. Okay, Dad, you know, but he has this gift, this instinct, um, and suddenly, boom, you know, he's got something on the line. That little thing, that little ultralight rod is bending all over the place, and I thought, like, oh, my gosh, it's a monster. And some guy from across the lake sees, oh, my gosh, and comes over this big net. And he's battling for at least 10 minutes, I'm serious, and he had to drag kind of light, and watch out, he was walking the thing around. Long story short, it came to the bank several times, it must have been on the line before because it kept swimming away when it saw that net. The guy nets an eight and a half pound Santee blue catfish. Um, and I hear some guy go, man, he caught it on a trout rod, you know? <laughs> Four-pound Tesla I eight-and-a-half-pound fish. All right, so everybody, wow, that's terrific. And as the day went by, somebody else caught maybe a two-pounder, you know. And then we're getting near the end. I said, here, son, try these little blood baits that we got at Walmart. He takes this thing and molds it on us, um, um, treble hook and cast again, and suddenly, so, like, boom, he's at it again, over here, at the lily pads. this is another monster, and it, it heads to the lily pads. I said, well, son, you're going to have to get him out of there, or it's going to, it's going to break the line. You know, he's got this, and he's working through the lily pads and cutting the lily pads. Long story short, about five minutes later, out comes a five-and-a-half-pound channel catfish. Show you that I don't want <laughs> Five-and-a-half-pound channel cat. And the same thing, man, I can't believe that guy caught that on a trout rod. You know, <laughs> um, so prayer works. And I looked at him and I thought, if you ain't know anything about catfish, I'm thinking, okay, Dad's got to skin these things and take care of it. So I said, son, that's 14 pounds of catfish. That's enough to feed the family. That's it. We're going home. And, and he walked around with these monsters, you know, and, and uh, you know that's the story. So there's another good story about faith. Says, wow, that prayer really does work. though. But yes, it does. So um, I have one more quick one, and I'm getting long here. Final testament of how my faith has grown. And if we, apologies to any doctors in the room. Um, sometimes we get a little frustrated with the doctors. I'm kind of self-insured. I pay my own way. I remember I'm self-employed. So I've got a dermatologist if I go. He looked, yeah, 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 looks at everything, charged me $150 and said, come back in two weeks and we'll, we'll take care of these things for you. And I had a I had a big planner work that was coming up here, and I did some research, and, and I went to the pharmacist, and the guy said, well, you could use uh, this medicine, but the acid might migrate towards your face. You know, it might not, you know, it might be a little risky to do that, it's about right here. And it kind of frustrated me, I I'm not going weeks, was we, we had a fire one night, and I'm gazing like the caveman into the fire, and the family's melting away, and it's getting down to the embers, and I says, I don't want to live, and I know I'm crazy, I'm going to get a cold, I'm going to burn it right off. Yeah. <laughs> so I did, so I did, but as a dermatologist would always say, it may come back if we don't get all of it or something. going, wow, I can't believe you did that. You know, she's studying nursing. And going, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, you know. Yeah. Well, about two weeks later, here it comes again. Okay, it's coming back. Golly, I, now I've got to go to the dermatologist, okay? But being a man of faith, one day I was walking through the house, and I saw the bottle of Conyers Holy Water. Everybody knows about Conyers, the Mary and Bishop. Connors, Georgia years ago, and I took this bottle of holy water, I don't lie, and I poured a little bit on my finger, and I rubbed it on there, and I said a little prayer, and I walked away, and suddenly, about 10 days later, I said, come on, it was totally gone, true story, so, it totally disappeared, praise God, hallelujah. You You know, if we really believe there's an unseen God and Jesus Christ is really Lord. Let us pray. Name Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Dear Lord, inspire us to always trust you and never give in to doubts or worries about your truths, which are the path to life. Bless us with true, living, courageous faith in your power and your Holy Catholic Church. And we ask this in Jesus Christ's name.